Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Off in the S's, a podcast focusing on the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. I'm your host, Stu, and on today's show, the Rolex 24 at Daytona is finally here, and with it comes the dawn of a new era. All five classes are set to hit the track Saturday for the opening race of the season, but some cars have already hit the wall. Buckle up as I preview the 2023 Rolex 24 at Daytona. The 2023 Roar Before the 24 saw the first qualifying session for the GTP class and the new LMDH cars. In that session, Tom Bloomquist in his number 60 Meyer Shank Racing Acura put that car on pole ahead of the number 7 Porsche Penske Motorsports Porsche 963 of Felipe Nazar by just 8 one hundredths of a second. The session was not without drama though as throughout the entire qualifying session there were some strong tailwinds on the back straight of the oval portion of the track which caused trouble for a number of drivers. Most notably Nick Tandy in his number 6 Porsche lost control through the Le Mans chicane sending his car into the wall and bringing out a red flag on the session. The session would resume with just a couple of minutes to go and this is when Blomquist will go out and set the pole lap for the class. Blomquist's lap of a 134.031 was fastest of the GTP cars with the entire class being covered by just 8 tenths of a second. Notably, both of the BMWs were the slowest cars in the GTP class, qualifying in 7th and 8th, and they will of course start in front of Nick Tandy and that number 6 Porsche, who did have his two fastest lap times removed as a result of bringing out a red flag. Now, one of the interesting things that this qualifying session showed was some of the new tire strategy that can be put forward in the GTP qualifying session. GTP class cars are now allowed to box during the qualifying session and change out their tires. Now, Tom Bloomquist did take advantage of this and he boxed a few moments into the qualifying session after going out on what was believed to be a scrubbed set of tires. This new tire rule could bring an entirely new set of strategy when it comes to some of the more tire dag heavy tracks on the WeatherTech Championship calendar. In LMP2, it was Ben Keating who took pole in the class, beating out the competition by a full second. Just as a reminder for the LMP2 class, bronze rated drivers do have to qualify that car. And like Nick Tandy, Tower Motorsports driver John Ferrano also experienced those treacherous tailwinds going into the Le Mans chicane and ended up going into the tires himself, bringing out a red flag that effectively ended the session. Nico Pino took LMP3 pole for Sean Creech Motorsports. He beat out Dakota Dickerson and Cameron Shields by just over a tenth and a tenth and a half, respectively. While in GTD Pro was the WeatherTech Racing Mercedes, driven by Mauro Engel, who edged out the heart of racing Aston Martin by just over four one-hundredths. Actually, Mercedes dominated the GT running here, posting the four fastest times in the session and locking up the top three spots in the GTD class. In that GTD class, it was Philippe Ellis with the fastest time on a 146, there are plenty of talking points coming out of the Roar weekend though, and one of the more notable ones is LMP2 drivers not being pleased with some of the performance reduction that IMSA has imposed on the class. Of course, with the addition of the GTP class, one of the big things that IMSA had to do was kick down the performance of the LMP2 class just a little bit. Some of the changes that were made include a 35mm air restrictor, further RPM limits than what they already had in place, a 10kg weight increase, and a couple of different aero configuration options. 
Ultimately, what it's done is it's led to the class being slightly slower, and really, it's led to teams having to throw out some of their setup notebooks from years past. In fact, the fastest LMP2 time set during the Roar was 1.6 seconds faster than the fastest time set last year, which is a fairly decent reduction in performance. The main concern for many of the LMP2 drivers is when it comes to passing some of the slower class drivers. The RPM limit reduction really means that the cars are a lot more bogged down when they're shifting up through the gears, specifically coming out of slow corners. This can make passing some of those slower GT or LMP2 MP3 cars just a little bit more difficult and uh, and doesn't allow them to, to quite pull away like they were previously able to. It's certainly going to be something to keep an eye on over the course of the 24 hours at Daytona and just how these LMP2 drivers are going to be able to adapt to passing the slower cars. Longtime Turner Motorsports driver Robbie Foley has signed a factory driver contract for BMW of North America. Foley is set to continue on with Turner Motorsports in the number 96 entry in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championships GTD class. And he's also set to contend the Michelin Pilot Challenge in one of those brand new M4 GT4 cars. Speaking of the Michelin Pilot Challenge, they're racing this weekend as well as the GS and TCR classes take to the track for their season opener. The real storyline to keep an eye on here is just how fast the Fords are. Six out of the top 10 cars on the timing and scoring charts this past weekend were Fords, and they were also quite quick at Daytona last year as well. You can follow along with that and many more as that season opening BMW M Endurance Challenge race goes this Friday for their four-hour race. Another IMSA support series actually had their season opener during the Roar weekend, and that's the brand new VP Sports Car Challenge Series. Featuring LMP3 class cars and GSX or GT4 spec machinery, the series saw their opening two 45-minute races with Dan Goldberg sweeping the both of the races for the LMP3 class and Billy Griffin taking both of the wins in the GSX class. These two drivers were the class of their classes, if you will, and used both patience and great pace to navigate their way to victory lane. Both races should be posted on the IMSA YouTube channel shortly after the Rolex has concluded, and the series next visits Sebring for two races on March 11th and 12th. The Mazda Itamitsu MX-5 Cup is also back for 2023 with their opening races at Daytona this coming weekend in support of the Rolex. 31 cars are entered including 2022 championship winner Jared Thomas along with runner-up Connor Zilich to go along with many, many other very talented drivers. The racing is truly some of the best that there is and you're not going to want to miss a single lap of it. And a piece of interesting news as we make our way towards the Rolex is the BOP has been released for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. The only change from the Roar weekend is a 2-liter fuel capacity increase for the BMW GT cars. There are going to be fans that are quick to point out that the new Porsche Type 992-911 GT3R, as well as the new Ferrari GT3, um, they were quite off the pace this weekend, and um, it may come as a bit of a surprise that they didn't get the 
BOP boost that uh, many thought that they might. However, in all of this, it's very important to remember that IMSA has a lot of data that we do not have access to and that may not be immediately obvious to us. So I'm sure that they know a few things that we don't, and at the end of the day, pace will show itself on Saturday. Now, it's not a proper preview if I don't tell you a little bit about the track. The Rolex 24 at Daytona is, of course, a 24-hour sports car race held in Daytona Beach, Florida, taking place at the infamous Daytona International Speedway. Now, when you think of Daytona, you probably think of the oval that NASCAR races on. This race does not take place on the oval, but instead it takes place on the road course portion of the track, which does incorporate portions of the oval. Daytona International Speedway has a long history dating back to its beginning in 1903 on what is known as the world's most famous beach. The birthplace of speed, as it's sometimes referred to as, hosted speed trials, until 1935 when stock car racing would begin. Over the following years, NASCAR would be founded and it would be quickly recognized that a permanent facility was needed instead of the temporary beach circuit. It wasn't until February 22, 1959 that the World Center of Racing hosted the first Daytona 500 and it set the stage for what would become the most iconic stock car race in the world. The 3.56 or 5.73 kilometer road course that would be raced uh, for the Rolex 24 was built in 1959 and hosted the first iteration of what would become the 24 Hours of Daytona in 1962 with what was then a three-hour-long Daytona Continental. In 1966, the race would become 24 hours, and while there have been various changes made over the years, the track layout has largely maintained its original layout and character. The unique layout starts drivers on the tri-oval portion of the track, where they will make their way through a difficult braking zone in turn one to enter the narrow infield portion of the track. The infield features the international horseshoes, which are connected by a small kink before drivers transition back out onto the track in turn seven. The cars then accelerate onto the banking and through NASCAR turns one and two before going down the backstretch and through the tricky high-speed Le Mans chicane. It's critical to carry a lot of speed out of the chicane as it is a flat-out run through NASCAR cars turn three and four before the drivers complete their lap. This year we will see 61 cars take to the track and they will be spread across five classes with nine GTPs, 10 LMP2s, nine LMP3s, nine GTD Pros, and 24 GTD entries. 761 laps covering 4,360 kilometers or 2,700 miles were turned by the victorious Meyer Shank racing number 60 of Tom Bloomquist, Ollie Jarvis, Helio Castroneves, and Simon Pagano in 2022. The other 2022 winners included in LMP2, the number 81 Dragon Speed entry. In LMP3, it was the number 74 Riley Motorsports machine. And on the GTD Pro side, it was a brilliant finish between the KCMG Porsche and the victorious FAF Motorsports Porsche. And wrapping it up with GTD, it was the number 16 Wright Motorsports Porsche taking victory. Daytona is a very quick track with lap times for the GTPs 
right in that 134 range, as Tom Bloomquist proved on Sunday, right on down to about the 146, 147 second mark for the GTD class cars. Look out for passing opportunities into turn one, into the international horseshoes, and you might just see an opportune pass going in to the Le Mans chicane. With it being a 24-hour race, the cars will run in both daytime and nighttime conditions. And while the cars do feature headlights, there are a large number of floodlights around the Daytona International Speedway that will be lit during the nighttime hours. Interesting to note though, they will only be set to 20% brightness so that drivers still have to largely rely on their headlights during the running of the race. Good news for anyone who's gonna find themselves at the track this year is it looks like it's gonna be just a little bit warmer than it was for the 2022 edition. The race will see a high of 23 degrees Celsius or about 74 Fahrenheit, dropping down to lows of about six Celsius or about 42 degrees Fahrenheit. For any and all weather updates, I definitely recommend checking out Racecast Weather on Twitter. I'll put a link to that account in the show notes. It took me a little bit to really put together who I think is going to win this year's Rolex. And in the GTP class, I just can't help but think it's going to be a Cadillac entry that takes home victory. They've done a lot of really good preparation for this. I mean, as all of the teams have, but they seem to have a combination of having completed a lot of testing. They, by all accounts, have a pretty simple car to deal with in terms of it's not overly complicated what they have going on under there. I think Marshall Pruitt mentioned it in a video series that he's done over on the Racer YouTube channel, just how simple this car is. And, um, and as you know, over the course of a 24 hour race where there are expected to be reliability issues, being able to swap out a part quicker than the other teams is going to be a pretty big advantage. That combined with, I mean, how can you not cheer for this car? It sounds amazing. Uh, I think I'm just going to land with the Cadillac in, uh, in this one. LMP2, well, I'm thinking that uh, there's going to be quite the storyline here for that number eight Tower Motorsports entry after having crashed in qualifying. They are the defending series champions and they do have a very strong lineup in what, to be fair, there are a ton of very strong lineups in that LMP2 class. But I do think the combination of John Ferrano, Scott McLaughlin, Joseph Newgarden, and Kiffin Simpson is really going to be a winning combination, and I see them taking home victory in LMP2. In LMP3, I'm going to go with the number 36 Andretti Autosport entry. Yet another very strong lineup there. Maybe carry some of the momentum of the recent Wayne Taylor Racing and Andretti Autosport uh, announcement. GTD Pro is perhaps one of the most difficult classes to try and pin down a winner just because of the extremely strong teams and extremely strong driver lineups that you see featured in this class. However, I'm going to pick the number 95 Turner Motorsport BMW and, uh, and have BMW in that M4 GT3 pick up its first major endurance race win in IMSA. Meanwhile, in GTD, I'm really keeping a very close eye on those Acuras. They look very strong this year, having carried some momentum over from Petit Le Mans in the fall, and they have some very strong lineups there as well. 
If I had to pick one though, I'm going to go with the number 93 Racer's Edge entry. Just a really strong lineup here. And kind of like I said with LMP3, maybe carry forward some of that Andretti Autosport and Wayne Taylor racing momentum that they have going for them. There's more than just the Rolex 24 that's going on this weekend. As I mentioned, the Mazda Itamitsu MX-5 Cup is there for their season opening rounds. They will take to the track on Thursday for their first race at 525 Eastern Time. That can be viewed on IMSA TV or on racer.com. Those Mazdas will also take the track on Friday. Their second race will get going at 10:10 Eastern Time, also available on IMSA TV and racer.com. And they will be followed up by the BMW M Endurance Challenge for the Michelin Pilot Challenge, which is a 4-hour race that will get underway at 1:35 p.m. Eastern Time on IMSA TV and Peacock. And the weekend is of course rounded up by the feature race, the Rolex 24 Hours at Daytona, which starts Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC, IMSA TV, and Peacock. Just check out your local listings if you're not watching on IMSA TV or Peacock because the coverage will jump around a little bit over the course of the race. And also make sure to swing over right here. Yes, the Off in the S's YouTube channel as I'll be live around a half hour before the race time starts to do a brief little preview of the race as well as watch along with you for the opening stint. Just note that you will need access to your own stream of the race if you do actually want to watch it. I will not be streaming the race for you. It feels like we've had to wait so long for this race to come around, but it's finally here. That's going to wrap this one up, but before you go, make sure that you are subscribed on your favorite podcasting app so that you never miss an episode. You can also follow along and interact with us on Twitter or catch the video version of this show on YouTube at Off in the S's. Once again, thanks for tuning in. I hope everyone has a great race weekend and doesn't go Off in the S's.